So 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for a lovely, challenging passage. Again, we continue with love and faith, continue with obedience, and we continue with your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the scriptures always bring us back to what your word says on who we believe and, and what we're supposed to do with what we believe. So Father, again, help me now to be clear and understood as I come to preach from this passage. Help us all to be challenged and encouraged and helped to, to walk in a way that brings you great glory and honour. Thank you, Father, again, that we have these beautiful passages to warn us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to give us a hope, a future hope. Thank you, Father. Help me now and help us to listen. Praying us this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The heading is Faith's Victory. Do you all know we are victorious in Christ? If you're a Christian, you are victorious in Christ. You have victory. But we've got to live and walk like we have victory. We need to know as a Christian, we have victory. But do you want victory in this life? Do you want this victory? What do I mean by victory? I mean, it's the word victory means a success in a struggle, in war, or in competition. I've said here, our rugby captain, Sia Khaleesi, led the Springboks to victory over New Zealand. And it's lovely when we have victory over New Zealand, when we triumph over them and win. We all want to win. But isn't our Christian life also a, a, a way that when we suffer for Jesus, we want to win as well? We want victory, ultimate victory, as we suffer for Christ? What gives us that victory? Well, I'm just going to mention it briefly here. It's our faith. Our faith in Christ gives us that victory. And our faith begins with the object of our faith. And the object of our faith is Jesus. He is the Son of God, the Christ. It's amazing when we look at this passage. It starts with that Jesus is the Christ. And it ends with that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is our Lord and Savior. As a church, as, a, as Christians, we need to hold fast 
our confession of faith. We need to hold fast that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Christ. And it's easy for us to hold fast that when there is no persecution around us, when everything is going well. Our Christian faith begins with Jesus, the promised Messiah, all what He accomplished for us in His life. He has suffered for us. In His life, He lived the sinless life. It's believing in His crucifixion, in His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension. I like what someone wrote. They said, Faith is to believe in all that God has promised, and that He will act out His promise, and He will bring to completion all that He has promised. And the promise we're waiting for is the return of Christ, to inherit eternal life. I think John 6 verse 39 helps us to see that future promise. And this future promise should be in the forefront of our minds. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That's a future promise. All that God promises, He will fulfill. And that is a promise that we should be looking forward to. And we can hold on to this promise because we have victory in Jesus Christ. You just have to read the book of Revelation and you will see that we have victory in Jesus Christ. He's seen as the victor, as the conqueror of this dark world we live in. On the cross, Jesus was victorious over death, sin, the world, and the flesh. And we have victory in Him. Our victory is a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. But like I've asked, and I've been looking at over the last few Sundays, does that mean we can live as we please? Does that mean we can just do as we please? No, we should be living a victorious life in Christ. The world should see that. That we are victorious in Jesus Christ. And it's lived humbly, faithfully, obediently, according to God's word. There's no other way we can live the Christian life. But according to God's word. And if we're living the Christian life according to God's Word, we are showing victory to the world. And this is what I want to encourage us this morning. Just by looking at two lovely facts from 1 John chapter 5. To help us to have this victory that leads to eternal life. Maybe this morning you never thought of victory. That you are victorious in Jesus Christ. Maybe you just feel defeated all the time because of what's going on around us. But it's amazing. We think about it as a Christian. We suffer here on earth, but in the heavens we actually are rejoicing victoriously. The world rejoices that they are victorious here on earth, but in heaven they are defeated unless they repent and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all the opposite. We are victorious because we are seated. We have been raised up with Christ and spiritually seated with Him in the heavenlies. But here's our first lovely fact to help us to have this victory. 
that leads to eternal life, and that is obeying God's word. That's what we see if we reread verses 1 to 3 of 1 John chapter 5. And I'll do that. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. But John doesn't stop there. Because we have a practical theology that needs to be worked out. It's not just head knowledge. And he says, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. But you heard me say in verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Let's just refresh our minds. How are we born of God? How does God save us? Because if we read from Scripture, and we read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we read that we, before God saved us, we were dead in our sins. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. If you're not a Christian, that is how mankind is living at the moment. And that's what we were once like. We were dead. There's no ways we could obey God's word as a non-Christian. And we weren't really interested. Even if you thought you were going to church and you were obeying God's word, you were not. You were still dead in your sins if you did not put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And John is very clever here because he, he, he catches everybody out. Today we should actually see who is a true Christian and who is a false Christian. Because John doesn't say, if you're a true Christian, we will see you loving people. No, he actually says, if you're a true Christian, we will see you loving people and obeying God's word. Because people cannot be outside the church and say they love Jesus, and we see them loving people, but they're not in the church. They're disobeying God's command. Or people can say they're in the church. Look, I'm in the church. I'm obeying God's word. But if we never see them loving someone, can't be a Christian. We have to actually ask ourselves today a hard question. What does it mean to be a true Christian? It's thrown out there that everybody is a Christian. No matter what you believe in the church, no matter what you do in the church, you don't have to belong to a church to be a Christian. And if we carry on saying, yes, that's fine, they, they, they love Jesus, they love God, and that's all they need to be a Christian, but they're not in the church, I say that's wrong. Because God's Word tells us. John is, John is bringing us back to what God's Word says. And that's what verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. We keep His commandments. And we obey His commandments. But before that, we need to be saved. So let's come back to, to that question. How are we saved? If we're dead in our sins, we need to be born again. How does God save us? That's another 
look at from the church how we got to get back to the sacred scriptures scripture alone and and see how god saves us god saves us when he causes his spirit to open our eyes to see the truth concerning jesus christ and how do we get into that position for us to see the truth concerning jesus christ how do we get into that position well scripture affirms this so faith comes from hearing hearing the word of christ how did Lydia's heart, how did her heart, heart open up to God? Paul sat down with them and he preached to them. And her heart was opened up to the truth. Who's doing this work? Well, God, he's the author of our salvation. Who's the object of our salvation? Jesus Christ. God saves us through Jesus Christ because he is our saviour. Jesus doesn't save us. He died on the cross to save us. How do we correct this? How do we know that God saves us? How do we know it's all God's doing? Because back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, did you hear that? God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. What does He do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God is the author of salvation and He saves us through Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 puts it beautifully, for by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not, a, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. God causes us to believe. This is why we go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. God gives us the new life. He gives us eyes that see the truth and hearts that embrace this truth. Someone said, we wake up as if from death to the truth and beauty of Jesus Christ. Have we seen the beauty of Christ? It's the beauty of Christ that compels us to do things. And I'll, I'll say this in love. The beauty of Christ compels us to do things like be in prayer meetings, be in Bible studies. Why? Because we want to know more of this Christ so we can love Him more and then love flows out to the people around us. Our new birth opens our eyes to see that Jesus is God's long-promised Savior. Our new birth is a sovereign act of God. The faith that believes that Jesus is the Christ also loves God's children. We cannot, we cannot just say, I love God and, and not do anything. It's impossible. Because God pours out His love into our hearts through the work of the Spirit, Spirit who lives in us and then, he, and then He empowers us to do these things. Obviously we're responsible to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We just don't sit now and then God says, okay, move your arm and do this and walk and love. We are still responsible, but, but there is this love. Things do change when we believe. And then it's a gradual process of sanctification, of of, of, of Align God to work in our hearts so we can work Him out to people around us. 
Saving faith operates through love, Galatians 5, 6. Saving faith is not limited to head knowledge or to certain truths about Jesus. I'll say something and I'll probably get penalised maybe if someone listens to this, but it's like saying this. We can say, Mark, but the Pope loves Jesus. And I say, yeah, he loves Jesus. And we see his love, how he loves the people. But where does he fail? He does not keep the commandments. He does not obey God's word. He doesn't believe in the authoritative word of God, that the scripture alone is our authority. They believe they carry the authority. We need to see all three working. If I say I love Jesus, then I will see it in loving people and keeping God's word. I can't have one or two. I've got to have both. This is what John is so, so wise in verse, um, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. It's just reversed it. You want to show the world that you love God and you obey His word, love the people around you. The letter is written to loving us first in the congregation, then it goes to loving your neighbour, the unbeliever, the unlovely, the stranger, the enemy. But verse, John is just, just because there's false teaching going on in this, in this church, in the people around. There are people that are calling themselves Christians, but they're living as they please. They're walking in darkness. They're not walking in the truth. They're not holding on to the light. They're still doing as they please. And if we have been born of God, and we love God, we love God's children, because we are serving a loving, caring, compassionate Father, and helping our brothers and sisters in need. And we demonstrate this love by keeping God's commandments, keeping His word. That's why I repeat, and we need to hear this, if we say we love God, but never lift a finger to help somebody, that cannot be true of us loving God. I don't want to put guilt on anybody. I don't want you to think, oh, you know your heart. You, you know what you do with your life before God. This is why we need each other. This is why we need grace. This is why we need prayer. This is why the Christian life is far harder than what we make it out to be. Because these truths that God has given us, his commands that He's given us are not a burdensome. They're not because God's love has been given to us to override the burdensome. But they are difficult at times. They are hard at times because of our fallen nature. They become a burden when we start doing things on a performance level. If I go to church, then God will love me and bless me. Then that's going to become a burden. Because one day you're going to go to church and you're going to leave church and then you're going to get that phone call that something's happened to someone in your life. And then you're going to say, God, why? I do all this for you. And now you bring this tragedy into my life. You made your walk with God a burden. Because of legalism. Because of performance. Love compels us to do things. God's grace compels us to do things. 
Reading around, someone said this, showing our faith through love and obedience is the natural yet supernatural effect of authentic Christian faith. Like someone else said, one cannot love God and keep His commandments without loving the children of God. And one cannot love the children of God without loving God and keeping His commandments. I repeat, one cannot love God and keep His commandments without loving the children of God. And one cannot love the children of God without loving God and keeping His commands. Real love is shown by our concern to do God's will. God's will is for us to to be spirit-filled, to be filled with His Word. This is what the Christian life is supposed to look like. If you read the book of Ephesians, you'll read that the first three chapters are to do with doctrine. Then into chapter 4, there comes practical theology. And in chapter 5, Paul moves on to saying, or or chapter 5, he moves on to saying things like this. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he goes on, do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands or wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Then the employer and the employee. Then the parent and, and, and mother and, and mom and dad. And then there's the husband and wife. There's, that's how God's will. God's will is for us to obey His word. To show the world that we are different, that we, that we love God because we want to be obedient to His Word. And this pleases Him and this reflects His glory into the lives of people. If we fail to do this, this is ultimately a failure to love God and obey His Word. And we will fail. I'm not saying that we're going to do this perfectly. We will fail. But we need to know that if this is a pattern of our life, if this is consistent in your life, Christianity is not a feeling. It's a knowing. I know my God because I obey my God according to His Word. And please forgive me, Father, because I'm not obeying you faithfully. But I, I, He knows that you try. But if you say you love God and you don't even obey Him, you don't even care how he, he's, he's, what His Word says, actually you don't even lift up your Bible to read it. How can we call ourselves Christians if we don't even open up this this book? Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How else do we live? I want to see you live without eating a meal for the next month. You're not going to survive. And we don't even even eat spiritual food. And and we think we survive. We're deluding ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. John... James tells us, you must be doers of the word. If you're just mere hearers, you're deluding yourself. You, 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 you're deceiving. You're actually being blinded by the God of this age. This is such a beautiful letter because it's, it's woken me up to my walk with God. That I can't just say things 
and pat people on the back and say, I'll pray for them. I have to, I have to, if I say I love Jesus and I love the Father, then whoever has been born of Him, of God, will love those that are born of Him. My wife loves me better because she loves God first. I love my wife better because I love God first. The reason why we don't love like we should love is because we don't love God first. The reason why I can go to work and enjoy my work is because I love God first. And whatever God puts in my place, I'm going to shine for Him. Because I want to obey Him and His Word. All our failures in love are the result of our failing to love the Lord first in our lives. That's how I can understand when I go back to the book of Revelation, I look at the church of Ephesus, why they lost their first love. When you lose your first love, you lose your love for everything. Loving God, loving your neighbour, witnessing the gospel, everything just goes when we lose our first love. And we just keep it in our minds, but it's dead before us. And God's commandments are not a burdensome. You've heard me say that. And how, how, can, how, can, how can we look to Jesus and think that he's a burden? We create that problem. We are the problem a lot of the time. Jesus has said to us, Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We don't do that well today. Who, who are we learning from? For I'm gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, only if you come and learn from Jesus. You're not going to find rest for your souls if you don't come and learn from Jesus. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Another verse says, God is the God who did not spare his own son but gave him gave him up for us all and who will also with him graciously give us all things. God has graciously given us everything we need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of our calling in this world. And that's even repenting and asking God to forgive you. God's commandments are not a burdensome. They can be hard and difficult at times, but that's when we draw close to one another and help each other to endure our struggles. And if we want victory in this life, then we must obey God's word, which gives us the victory. It's not the world's victory, it's God's victory. And that victory comes through obedience. We've been saved, saved into an obedience of faith. And this first fact, and we'll stop here this morning, this first lovely fact that we've looked at, obedience, obeying God's word, we need to obey God's word. And this will help us with this victory to earn and to, to receive eternal life. But will we? Will we be challenged and encouraged to start obeying God's word? Living according to God's standard and not ours. 1 Peter 2, 24, I'll close with this lovely verse, says this. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, 
that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Obeying God's word is living to righteousness. Obeying God's word is showing that we have a righteousness that is victorious in Christ Jesus. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. There's nothing we have to do except obey and believe and live according to God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that again we are reminded by some hard truths. Again, we are called to to love you and to show this love by obeying your word and loving one another. Father, but give us the wisdom. Please give us wisdom to, to walk faithfully and humbly and obediently with you. Help us, Father. May we examine our hearts as we come to the Lord's Supper. May we confess our sin. May we stop leaning on our own understanding or try and be wise in our own eyes, but allow your word to direct our lives, to govern our lives. Father, yes, this will be a challenge, but it will not be a burden, because you've given us your grace, which is sufficient for our lives. Help us, Father. And thank you that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. He earned our victory on the cross. But help us to walk like victorious Christians, working out his love and his truth, witnessing and testifying about him through our words and works. Father, forgive us. Be merciful to us. Be gracious to us. Help us all, and me, Father, to hold fast these confessions of faith. Hold fast the Lord Jesus Christ and show the world through our lifestyles that we serve a great, victorious Saviour. Father, have mercy upon us. Pray on us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.